the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Well, welcome back to another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. I'm Danny Smith alongside my ever-present co-host, Ben South. Ben, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm glad you said ever-present, which is slightly and actually remarkably different from omnipresent. You know, I'm I'm all about superlatives in uh, introducing people. I just think it adds to it, even if it's exaggerated. Uh, I think it sounds good, and it's our podcast, so we can throw those out That's there. That's right. We can, and we plus, can ex- I don't exaggerate. Know how you- yeah, and I don't know how you were in high school. I didn't get any superlatives, so I'm making up for it uh, <laughs> later in life. I think it's a psychological thing, but I'm not worried about it. So, so we'll give you all the superlatives Thank today. You. Thank you. So, That's right. So, Hey, as we get started, Danny, tell them about our sponsor for this episode. Yeah, our sponsor has been very good to us, Central Baptist College. If you need a college degree but you don't have the time, the Pace College degree program at Central Baptist College in Conway has a proven in-class online or hybrid course format, multiple degrees to fit your busy schedule. CBC knows that you can't quit your full-time job, which is why they've developed a flexible format that's helped a lot of adults for the last 20 years earn their degree while working full-time. So to get started, go to cbc.edu online. You're going to apply for admission or request a virtual meeting. And a personal enrollment counselor is going to help you enroll in the classes that you need. So again, visit cbc.edu online today, and you can earn your degree and reach your goals. And uh, we appreciate CBC so much for being a part of this podcast. Ben, you and I, uh, we uh, became friends at CBC uh, just a few years ago. It's been a few years, but a few, uh, couple of decades, a yes, couple of decades, like and uh, one of the years, great things. Decades. Yeah, absolutely. So Ben, when you were at CBC. Did did you do any local church ministry while you were at CBC? I did some. I did. I uh, was worship pastor, uh, worship leader, music director, depending on which kind of church it was. That's probably mostly a music director, probably for part of the time. Did some work at my home church, which actually where I serve now, was involved in ministry there. Was involved in a lot of ministries on campus. Um, did some. St- I was activities director on campus for a few years while I was there and was resident director. So I, I was involved a lot in the college life there. You know, one of the things I loved about our time at CBC is that, you know, there were churches and other act, uh, organizations in our community that would let us college students work. And then uh, the Lord allowed my wife and I to work with college students at uh, the University of Wyoming for a few years. And one of the things I love about college ministry is just being able to see uh, the students get excited and to serve, and there's almost a sense that they're just glad to serve anywhere. And one of the things I really took away from some of the parachurch ministries was how they were so good at developing um, what I would call chair two leaders. You know, there might be a you know BCM minister or whatever organization minister, but he was so good, or she was so good at raising up. Um, staff and leaders around. And our guest today is someone who knows collegiate ministry well and uh, has served in collegiate ministry for many years. Uh, he serves now with the Southern Baptist Convention of Texas, um, has done that since 2011 in collegiate mobilization, disciple making, 
leads the collegiate team. Uh, he is uh, Mitch Tidwell. And Mitch, uh, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, I would love for you maybe to tell us just a little bit about yourself. And uh, we want to make sure that uh, people know uh, where they can find you. and We can talk about all that. But thanks for coming on the podcast today. Man, Danny, Ben, it is uh, awesome to be with you guys. And it really is a joy to, one, just be invited. But two, just get to talk about college students. I just... I've always felt, uh, you know, I guess just being involved in, in Baptist life, um, you know, in local churches, it just felt like that was in some ways just, um, I don't know the, the right way to put it, sometimes neglected, sometimes just overlooked ministry. And so I'm just really pumped that you guys are putting a spotlight on that to help churches in this area. I love it. Mitch, what is your role specifically with the SBTC uh, there with collegiate students? Yeah, so... Um, it's it's kind of so I'm our collegiate associate. I I, I lead out on all of our uh, our collegiate efforts across the state. Um, my position does fall underneath our evangelism team. So, well, I'm sorry, we just reorganized. It's now our missional team. So under our missional team, so I'm I'm there. And basically, my my role is hey, how do we help churches uh, reach, develop, and send college students? And that's really um, the spearhead of what we do is evangelism, how to reach them. Uh, but you know, I just have a, a really firm belief that if you're not making disciples, you're not going to have uh, any students to mobilize to go reach their peers. So you got to make disciples to do that. So that's that's my role, and I, I try to network and equip and train, um, it, it, you know, college leaders, you know, all across the state, and, and not even just the state, but even the nation sometimes too. Yeah, it's such a great opportunity to uh, you know make disciples who make disciples. And I think that yep. at any level of leadership, that's what you're hoping to do. Yep. Um, it's easy to get caught up in the, the structural stuff. You know, you mentioned kind of a restructure, re, mm -hmm. renaming things. And, um, you know, it's, it's always good, though, to uh, invest in the lives of those students, invest in the lives of those leaders. And one of the things I have loved over the years is when people uh, maybe become part of the church that I've been a part of, and their testimony is something from collegiate ministry that either they were saved in college mm -hmm. or, you know, God just really began to change their life in college. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm old enough now that several of my peers were at the very first one day that happened in Memphis. And mm -hmm. they'll tell you it just radically changed the direction of their life. And uh, many are in ministry and happy. And so um, thinking about college ministry and thinking about chair two, um, what is that? Uh, what are you seeing church-wise? So you've been doing this, you know, 10, 12 years now. Mm. What are some changes you've seen from maybe when you first started to now mm. of churches uh, maybe reaching that college uh, generation? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think it's it's one that I, I think is really, it's changing. I mean, I know everything's always kind of evolving, but you know, when you typically, if we're talking Southern Baptists, um, Southern Baptists typically think when they think college ministry, it's nor they normally think about Baptist collegiate ministry or Baptist student ministry, and it's really not thought of like what are local churches doing, for, uh, you know, college students, it, you know, are they, is it merely kind of outsourcing a lot of the evangelism and discipleship to those uh, campus organizations, or do they own that space? And I think what what I've noticed over the past ten years is churches taking a greater ownership over that space saying, hey, we value our on-campus ministries, but um, we also um, but we also realize that like God has given us that great commission to reach college students and not 
kind of outsource that in a way. So it's uh, it's kind of like how do we live in this world where as Southern Baptists, we yes, we are going to support and believe in Baptist student ministries, but as a church, we can't we can't neglect that responsibility to reach, develop, and send college students. And I think that's probably been one of the greatest transitions. You know, being in my state convention, our state convention is only like 22 years old, 23 years old maybe. And so since we're so young, that was something we never adopted. And so one of the things that we've it's forced us to do as a convention was to think, how do we help the local churches? And I think that's what I've seen over the past, you know, 10 years is that local churches taking ownership of that of that space and that demographic to say, hey, we want to serve and we want to value um, some of these campus ministries. But we also know that if we don't do something ourselves and we're neglecting the mission that God has given us. And I think that's probably been one of the biggest shifts that that I've seen uh, over the last 10 years. And specifically as I've been leading in this in this role, like leading our college team, that's what I've seen over the last five years. I, th- I think that's a good point. I think churches struggle, though, a lot of times. How do we get those students to engage and plug into church? Yep. We live uh, where our church is. Uh, is a college town. We have three colleges here in a town, and so major state university and two private schools, and so it's it's known as the city of colleges even. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of students, but even in a city with a lot of college students, I see our church has struggled at times, and other churches specifically I've seen struggle. How do we get the students to plug in and engage? So one of the things we have to do is be intentional, I think, about mm-hmm. reaching collegiate students. You mm-hmm. tweeted something uh, earlier today, the day we were, while we are recording, um, but you said instead of asking students to perform tasks, mm-hmm. ask them to give input. And I think that's mm-hmm. a really key point mm-hmm. of getting students involved because they don't want to just be a workhorse, another cog in the system. Yeah. They want to be engaged to have that input and have you know, some skin in the game, if you will, for yeah. the ministry. What are some things you would advise the church? You say, how, we want to get the students involved. Mm-hmm. We want to give them input. Where can we give them input? Yeah. Especially as someone who maybe they're coming new to town, if it's yeah. a college town, or they're not as connected maybe because they're traveling away to college. How do we do that effectively to ha- let them feel they have the input mm-hmm. while there's also, also that idea of they're not here as long, they're not as committed, they don't have the time here. Mm-hmm. So there's that challenge there of, how do we do that and still maintain the integrity and the hist- maybe historicity of the mi- ministry we've had here? Yeah, well, you know, I always think that. Um, well, let me give you an example: is that I was when I was doing an interim um, just a couple of years ago. I did it for fourteen months, and I came in, and the church said, "Hey, we've got two students left in our college ministry. We just don't want it to die. Can you can you help save it?" <laughs> and I was like. Um, Probably not, you know, but I'll give it a shot. And I remember going in and I had these two students and they were sweet uh, sophomores in college. And me and my wife just kind of sat with them and we just listened to them, like, you know, what their ministry experience had been there, what they wanted to see in the ministry and really what was the current ministry that they were doing. And we just committed ourselves to say, we're going to take care of you guys. Like, we're here for you. We want you to succeed, and you're going to be over at our house for a meal. Uh, we're going to help you in whatever you're doing. And it was kind of the idea that 
the kind of what we propose to them is like, we're going to hold the ropes for you. This is your ministry. This is not our ministry. I, I, and, and I think what helps in that situation is I was the interim, but I think that was the right posture of saying, I, this is not my ministry. In fact, probably here in the next year, I'm going to be gone and you're still going to be here. And, and, what, and so you have to figure out what do you want this to be. And what we saw from that is we, we just took those couple of students and it, relationally we invested in them, let them know they were loved, let them know they were cared for, let them know that this was their ministry and really we were going to help them with their ideas for the ministry. Because I wholeheartedly believe that as a college student, I mean, these are at the time they're like 19 years old, they're saved, they have the Holy Spirit within them. So I'm like, I don't know how to reach your peers, but you do. Um, and so I'm just going to help. I always kind of viewed myself as like the bumpers uh, in a bowling lane. Like you're, you're bowling and I'm just going to make sure you stay out of the gutters and just kind of keep you on the right track. And what we saw over the course of 14 months was a ministry that that went from just two people to, I think if you were just to, uh, you know, versus if we were to take from Sunday mornings to groups to disciple making groups, all those things, we probably had about 60 students involved like in a year. But all of that was because we, we put the ownership on the students. And as adults, what we did is we said, hey, you're leading and we're supporting. And they just took ownership of that and they kind of made it their own. And we actually were able to grow the ministry by, is what, what you said just a minute ago, Ben, was gave them some skin in the game. Like, hey, if this doesn't work, I mean, I didn't literally say this, but if this doesn't work, <laughs> this is your fault, not my fault. <laughs> you know, like, this is your ministry, and I'm going to help you with your ministry. So you're and, not advocating the position of ministry leadership of saying, hey, it's all on you. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I'm, I was like, hey, I, if you fall, we're here to catch you. Uh, but, but it's yours. And it, and if this doesn't work, um, it, you know, this is, it, you know, it's on you and it's going to be okay, but I'm here to support you. And I, at the end of the day, you know, I was the staff person being paid and I realized that, but I wanted them to feel that weight and to feel that ownership and to feel that responsibility. And the cool thing was, and I know maybe not everybody's like this, but they just owned it and they were like, let's do it. Let's go. And, uh, and they did it. I can, you know, I can step back and look at that situation to really say the only thing I did was empowered and release them, and they did everything, um, and and they grew that ministry, and 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 I think that's so. When you think about a local church that is wanting to reach college students, <clears throat> you know, you think who are the who are the couple who are the few that you have, and how can you empower and release them to do the ministry uh, that really only they can do? Like you know, us guys like. I mean, I'm, I'm 34 years old, but I might as well be a grandfather on a college campus. I mean, you age out quick. I mean, we even have one guy that, uh, that graduated. He's on a campus ministry at the school. He was TCU is what we were ministering to in downtown Fort Worth. And he's like, he's already talking about how it's like kind of weird because students are like, hey, are you a student or you not? And he's just like a year removed. So anyways, leading through those students is, is how I, I felt... I felt how that's how one we reach them, but that's also how we develop them too. You know, and that brings up kind of a thought. So you talked about kind of early on, one of the changes was there was a sense where we outsourced college ministry to our college campus ministries, which are doing a great job. And lots of folks are being changed because of that. Churches taking on that uh, ownership. And I think in terms of even church leadership in the church, not just reaching those students, but I think we've outsourced leadership as well to say, okay, 
I've got to go find a college pastor. I've got to go find this staff or this pastor when that college right down the road is just filled with students that if we'll just empower them, equip them, help them reach, then they can step up into those leadership roles. Because it is, I think the students, uh, they see uh, they see ministry. They they kind of see what their college pastor's doing, or like you guys, uh, interim pastor, whatever it is. I think I want to serve the Lord that way. I want to do that as well. And so it takes the fear out of, for the church to say, "Hey, we don't not to be fearful. Let's just love those guys. Let's let's empower them. Let's help them just reach their friends." But hey, that's also a uh, a field to be developed for future leaders within our church. And so when you're working with college students and they begin to express, hey, I want to do what you do, or, uh, you know, I'm thinking about going on staff with my local campus ministry or something. Uh, talk about leadership and those college students, what kind of questions they're asking. And then, um, you know, for chair two leaders who, uh, so Ben and I are kind of drastically different churches. He's at a church with uh, multiple staff. Uh, what, there's six pastors, Ben, is that right? Seven, I think. Seven six, pastors. Seven, seven. So six or seven pastors, and then church depends I'm at. Depends on the day. Yeah, depends on the day. That's right. <laughs> and our church may argue that as well, that we have a pastor. depends on the day. So uh, it's myself, and then we have an associate and a youth pastor. Uh, he yeah. does both of those roles. So there's two of us, and you know, we're constantly going, boy, we just need a little extra help, a little yeah. extra help. So could you yeah. talk maybe just a little bit about not only the a church empowering to yeah. uh, and reaching college students, but then going, hey, how do we develop them to possibly become a leader within our church, especially those that maybe grow up in our church? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a great question. And, and I think, you know, if you look at Barna's research on 18 to 35-year-olds, only 9% would say they see a leadership role for them in the church. So uh, there's a perception issue for young people that when they look in the church, they just don't see that opportunity. And, you know, as pastors and even second chair folks, you're sitting there thinking, man, there's so much need for leadership. But I think there's probably a communication breakdown between the student and whoever's leading because the student or the young people don't feel that there is a place. Uh, You know, then you have pastors that are thinking like, man, why doesn't anybody step up kind of thing? And I, I think what the, the issue is, is there's probably not a clear pathway um, in some of that. Um, and, and what I would probably recommend, you know, what I would recommend for any, any pastor or leader within the church that's going to be investing in college students as far as developing them, is once you like, <clears throat> so the whole point like in releasing them is I think the disciple making process almost, because what, what we would always do, I remember in that interim is we would, you know, so I would meet with those students on a weekly basis and we would do several things. We would process last week, we'd pray, and then we'd plan for the week ahead. And in all of that, we're kind of tweaking things on a week to week basis. And what that meeting turned into was just me investing in them uh, ministerially. And then, you know, and then as a leader to kind of help them kind of navigate and tweak things kind of as they went. And so it was kind of a you know, it was for them, it was they thought, hey, this is a planning meeting. And really what it was was a disciple making meeting because all we were doing was we would issues would arise. We would address them. We would look at scripture and it became this kind of natural disciple making process that just kind of looked like a planning meeting. And so what I would say is just, you know, if, if you have young people in your church and they're there and they're willing to give themselves away, 
is I think a couple ways is like, is there a place for them to serve within the church? You know, I, I, one of the, here's what I love is that there's a church here in Texas that reaches a lot of college students. And you know what they do? The pastor comes in on a Wednesday and he preaches uh, his message to a group of college students and they get to tweak it before he preaches it the, on Sunday. Uh, so there's already a group of students that are saying, hey, we realize that we're such a value here because the pastor is getting his sermon ready early to preach to us because he cares about how we're going to receive it. And that right there is a complete game changer because now those students are like, not you're not just trying to use me to get things done around here. You actually value what I bring to the table. And then that just in, in from there, that just begins to influence their whole friend group because they're like, this church really buys in to college students because they're they value our opinion and they value, you know, our voice. And and I think doing that is super helpful in developing them. I think that truth is good and it's, it can be an encouragement, especially to the normative Southern Baptist Church or normative church in America, because the average church can't afford to go and hire a full-time collegiate yep. pastor or minister. They just don't yep. have the resources yep. and probably don't have the need right now for a full-time person devoted to that. Yep. But for the generation that's coming up today, they don't see value in that we've hired a staff minister to work for you or to minister mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. The value is in, hey, can you plug us into ministry? Can we get engaged where we are? Which mm-hmm. sometimes I think even some of the smaller churches, if you will be intentional about it, mm-hmm. can do a better job really ministering and discipling some students by valuing them where they are and plugging yeah. them into your current ministries. Yep. Yep. And, I, and you know, just. Talk to that church that just says, hey, we don't have the resource to hire a college pastor, which the majority of churches don't. I mean, that's just, you, you, you don't have the funds for that in a lot of places. But if you can find, is a, is a pastor, or if, if there's a pastor on staff, or if there's an adult, you know, family or something like that that's within the church that really has a heartbeat for them, like how can you figure out how to empower that person or those that family to to relationally invest in in this in this group of people, and I would say this because I talked to a, the other day I was at a suburban church here in Fort Worth, Texas, and kind of in a commuter school type of town. And she comes to me, and they had probably twenty five to thirty students, and she's like, they they've just all left. And I was like, they all left. She's like, yeah, they actually went and started their own group, and one of the college students is is leading it, who I actually happen to really know the situation really well and know the leader that's leading it. And she was like, you know, pretty bummed about it. And I, one of the things I told her is I was like, hey, you know, this is actually, I know this doesn't sound like a good thing, but I think this can actually be a good thing because I know the leader of this group. I know he's a godly young man. And I don't know all the reasons why they left. I could probably assume that here's here's what here's what I would assume is it maybe somebody kind of got too handsy on the group you know the old the older folks did and the young people just felt like this isn't ours like we feel like we're still in youth group and having parents telling us what to do and they're in this next phase of life where they're wanting to be kind of liberated and make their own choices a little bit so they actually went and started their own group and so I told this lady I said because her and her husband are probably in their like late 40s or something like that I said just go support them like Say, hey, um, I know you're meeting. We love that you guys are are meeting and you guys are diving in the Word. You guys are doing mission. 
how can we support you? Can we just like buy your pizza or something like when you meet or something like that? I said, because that's where you can come alongside because Tim Elmore from Growing Leaders say this all the time is they don't want a sage on the stage. They want a guide on the side that can help kind of guide them through that because they're, they're again, they're being released into the real world, giving real responsibilities in their job. Uh, but sometimes in the church, we still kind of want to parent them or kind of treat that young group like um, like you would a youth ministry. And that's probably one of the biggest mistakes I see in college career ministries across our state is that they're still being treated like youth ministries and not like college ministries, not like adults to be released. And, and part of that is like, I had another guy say this. He said, you know, here's the deal. We want to give young people, college students responsibility. Um, and, but we're always afraid of the mistakes they're going to make. And so here's my principle is we always give them the keys. We always give them responsibility. We just don't give them responsibility. We just don't give them the Corvette. We give them the Corolla. That way, if they wreck it, it's not, it, it doesn't hurt us that bad. Um, you know, and so give them things that can wreck, give them things where they can fail and then be there to support them. And you'll get this kind of empowered culture that college students say, Hey, this is ours. We can lead it. We can invite, and, and it really is helpful. And at the end of all this, Ben, I'm not even sure I answered your question, but that just seemed to be the direction I was going. <laughs> and I think, I think what you said is, is right. It's right on. Because I think in the long term, in the long yeah. run for that long game, you're going to get more opportunities to lead and to mentor and disciple. Being that person who brings the pizza in, yeah. then you are going to be the one that sits up there giving your wisdom. Yeah. Because if they know you care about them, mm-hmm. even though you're not, it's not your mm-hmm. platform to teach and preach yeah. and lead, but you still care about them, mm-hmm. they're going to know when they have that need, when they have that question, here's someone who genuinely cares. It's not but, just someone who's wanting to give me information. It, ben, that's so true. And I, and I think you have to switch because sometimes we think, hey, we need, we need to be in, in control of this large group and teach from that and like, you know, maybe from a stage or teach large group. But really what they value more is for you to have them at your dinner table and you teach them across the table in a mill kind of thing. And that's what we have found. Like we'll be, it's so funny because like we'll be involved with our students and I'm thinking that like this, I don't even know if this student even likes me. Um, I'm wondering that, but then all of a sudden I get a text, Hey, can I come eat dinner with you and, and Olivia? Can, can, I've just got some things I want to talk to you. I'm like, really? I didn't even think you knew my name or anything like that, but, and they'll come over and then we have a great relationship and then we're, and I'm, that's where we're teaching. That's where we're helping correct and stuff and doing that in that setting. And, and again, I think that creates that kind of empowered culture of, man, I have, I can eat, I, I'm, I'm having a meal with these folks. They love me. They're having me in their home and they trust me to do mission. They trust me to make, even make mistakes to get back up again. And I think it's so huge. And that's a generational thing to understand because yep. my generation and the generations older than me specifically really respected the position. Yeah. And yep. that's not the case with Mm-mm. especially collegiates and younger generations. They want that relationship. No, they value to you because of your their value because mm-hmm. of who they are mm-hmm. and that they matter to you as a person, not because you're in the they're in the position of leadership. It, ben, that is excellent, man. I it, that and it's so true is that there's position there's Positional equity, relational equity, and a generation ago, that positional equity is based on your position. That's the respect you got. And now with, I would even say millennials and lower, it's really not about position at all. It's relational equity. The more relational you are with them, the more authority and respect that you get from them. And in fact, your position can even hurt you sometimes from their respect. Because if you look at the stats, it 
and you know, just in, in Barnes Connected Generation report, a lot of young people think that the church is corrupt. I mean, you, you, you can see the statistics. I mean, they think the world is corrupt. That's the main issue. But they also kind of relate that to institutions. And so the only way we overcome that and gain the respect and a spiritual authority in their lives is for us to invest relationally in them. And they can see that we're real, we're authentic, and that we just genuinely want to love them and, and make disciples of them. One of the, uh, yeah, and this connects on a whole host of levels with college students, but I think even chair two leaders who more times than not uh, are maybe going to be uh, younger in the ministry. Uh, I certainly don't want to stereotype it, mm. but maybe uh, maybe they're in a chair two and maybe the one that's in a chair one at their church is still sort of that positional equity group. Mm-hmm. And they're very much in that relational equity group. Mm-hmm. And so just from that chair two, you can have such a relational uh, influence, even if maybe the current structure organization doesn't necessarily lend itself to that. Mm-hmm. You just kind of start where you are because, you, like you said, I mean, they came to my house at my table. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. try to I didn't try to plan something, you know, structurally mm-hmm. in the sense where we had to get everybody involved. And, mm-hmm. yeah, that control versus releasing and, you know, I'm a parent. I've got a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old and 11-year-old. So there's, I, I mean, I'm in the tension of <laughs> um, releasing, especially my older one going, okay, got to have some freedom there. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not quite ready to, to throw the keys even to a Corolla to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but I am, there's that tension there. And I think chair two leaders and chair one leaders we i think we feel that where hey we i I don't want to just use them i love that idea Mm. i don't want to just use them i I want Mm. to empower them they have a voice god's doing a work in their life they matter and Mm. they can teach us something we can learn Mm -hmm. from them and i'm reminded you know the older you get a little you get a little more jaded Mm. and uh boy that excitement of students you go it is worth getting excited about i don't want to let that jade me and so that's been uh, such a good reminder uh, mm. for that. And I'm so thankful that uh, you were able to spend some time. I'm just kind of looking up thinking, man, we could go another 30 minutes, an hour. And so mm. we would definitely love to have you back to talk more about that. But yeah. um, so we'd like to do something a little fun. And mm. uh, being down in Texas, uh, you know, when you think Texas, you think barbecue. Uh, mm. Are you a barbecue, Texas barbecue guy? And if so, what's your favorite? Well, I'll just say this. In my family, we my uh, we owned and operated a barbecue restaurant for about eight years. So, yeah, we're, we're barbecue people, man. <laughs> it's kind of in the blood there, in the DNA. Yeah, it okay, is. we're going to have a whole other episode about that. Yeah, maybe. yeah. We may have to be in, go down and do some sampling. That Come way on. We may can. need to do some. Come yeah. on. <laughs> But see, the thing is, in Texas, it's beef, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all, well, and I will say, it it is beef. I mean, that's Cornerstone Barbecue, but there is a lot. I feel like, I I think, like, just like there are traditional and contemporary churches, there's traditional and contemporary barbecue in Texas. And so you're going to get traditional barbecue that's just going to be, you're going to get your brisket, your sausage, your bologna, your turkey, like, people are going to offer that with, just your potato salad, beans, coleslaw kind of thing. Like that's traditional. But then there's this Central Texas flair barbecue that's happening from Austin that's kind of spread everywhere. And even here in the Metroplex, where you're kind of getting just kind of a new twist on barbecue where they're introducing more pork, introducing some uh, different, you know, just like kind of different types of sides and stuff. So, um, yeah, barbecue is, 
I, well, I'm just going to stop because I can go on. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a whole other podcast. Yeah. We'll just do Maybe it. Chair 2 Barbecue is going to yeah, be our follow-up podcast if this one doesn't work that's out. Right. So. That's right. That's it. Well, Mitch, thanks for joining us. For listeners, thank you for joining us this episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss the next great episode. Use some of Danny's superlatives that he talked about. That's earlier. exactly right. Excellent and awesome and all those things. So make sure you don't miss it. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Chair 2 Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.